In the instructions with you this morning, I'd like to explore this second tetrad, this group of four, as was mentioned to you a couple of days in this mindfulness of breathing discourse a couple of days ago, that the four sections, each one focusing and giving priority to mindfulness after all the mindfulness of breathing uh, discourse and with the uh, first uh, tetrad giving uh, and directing the mindfulness primarily to uh, the uh, breathing experience and that thread runs through all 16 uh, links we might say. So the continuity, the, the flow and the steadiness which is to be cultivated is that mindfulness of breathing has a continuum to it each day, uh, every day. It's the essential reference. And as the Buddha says, this is of much uh, benefit uh, to us. And then with that as the single line, so to speak, running through the uh, discourse, through the practice, then with that we look at aspects uh, in relationship to that. So the first discourse, initial period, mindfulness of breathing uh, uh, in and out, and being aware of the breath when it's long or when it's short and not putting pressure on ourselves to make it in any particular way but just experiencing it as it is but really noticing the changes in the breath i.e. longer and short and then from that um, breathing in uh, and breathing out there it then is such that the instructions for us is to expand out the mindfulness to include the whole of the body, experiencing the whole body. And quite comfortable with the language of it as well, one says every day in a descriptive way, I am experiencing the whole uh, uh, body. The intimacy, the connection, the experiencing of the whole uh, body is to see it much more clearly as it is, vibrations, sensations, biology, a formation of the nature, to really see it. But also, and equally important, to be able to listen to the body, pick up the sensitivities of the body, the signals of the body, what it's communicating to us, so to speak. A third aspect of the intimacy or connection with the body it helps to reduce significantly the gap in the relationship to the body. It means when we are cut off from the body, when we are detached uh, from the body, in that gap what easily happens is lots of images, pictures, views and opinions about the body arise. Likes and dislikes, <coughs> loves and hates, uh, fors and against, attractions and aversions, that can go on in relationship to the body 
because we're not actually experiencing the body. We have pictures, often very conditioned pictures. Those pictures may be about parts of the body that we uh, react to, or a general views of ourselves in a, in a generalized way, and all of that shows alienation. And our practice to get a clear, calm, and balanced relationship with the body is to move closely and intimately with the body, connecting with it, listening to it well. And if we do that listening through that intimacy, it will have an influence on our posture in our daily life, it will have an influence on our exercise and movement in the daily life, and it will also have an influence of, on our diet, what we eat, when we eat, how much we eat, and also the relationship to the eating itself. And that relationship to the eating itself We'll eat clearly, more mindfully. We'll practice to chew the food well. Uh, and if we're really mindful of that, the food will almost be a liquid by the time that we swallow uh, the food. And if we just have a very mindful diet of uh, eating, in fact it increases the enjoyment of the food, and the tastes of the food, because that doesn't happen in hurried eating. And also it will keep us in touch with the body, and we will know, because the body will inform us, aha, I need this amount of food, there will be more space left in the stomach uh, at the end of uh, what we eat for it to digest into uh, energy uh, for us. So the closeness with the body, the experience of the, of, of the body, contributes to um, mindfulness of the body, relationship to pain, the relationship to diet, to posture, to food, and, and so forth. So, and then that first tetrad also states very clearly and wisely there of the value of learning to relax while being mindful of breathing in and out. And a lot of health problems arise due to stress. A lot of physical problems, a huge number of physical uh, problems in fact, arise due to stress. And so our capacity to breathe in and breathe out, experiencing the whole body and then relaxing the whole body. And that's quite conscious. To some way it happens quite naturally by itself, so to speak, uh, there. But the power of the mind in our relationship to the body, of the breathing in and out, we can really contribute to relaxing the whole body. This relaxing allows us to go more deeper. And that deeper, like dropping a, a, the anchor from the ship, will help to anchor us and that anchoring, that being centred <coughs> will contribute to being able to handle states of mind and emotion more easily, handle the problems and difficulties that impact upon us because we've got to practice mindfulness of breathing in and out to centre ourselves, experiencing the whole body to really listen to the messages 
of the body and the grounding of ourselves so that we can observe and be in touch with uh, feelings and thoughts and emotions. And in that respect, truly, it's a great practice for human beings. My goodness, it's a great practice. Such a practice was applied with our children in our schools as part of the daily rhythm and uh, uh, routine there. It was, it was applied in our groups, organizations, to our politicians and the rest, it will start to change things because of the insights that can come. In the second tetrad, remember, there's no hierarchy with the tetrads that we see the criteria is very simple. We see from our experience what is valuable and working for us. That's the criteria. And the more experience we have with all, in this case, four of the tetrad, here in daily life, uh, then we'll begin to know which one or what to apply or explore or develop in, uh, in different ways. When we come to the second uh, tetrad here, which I've forgotten the sheet. <laughs> Anybody feeling compassionate? Would, would you? <laughs> Thank you. So when we come to the uh, uh, second uh, tetrad, there, there is uh, emphasis in the beginning uh, part of it of this remarkable place in life that happiness has for human beings. Just think of how much we say and do and think about whole views and opinions that weaving through this is often what will make me happy, what contributes to happiness. And clearly sometimes we can look at our life and we're keen to be happy, we're keen to experience happiness, and how come we end up miserable? Thank you, precious life. And that relationship, as in that first uh, uh, section of the uh, uh, the second tetrad, it says, "I breathe in, experiencing happiness. I breathe out, experiencing happiness." Uh, as mentioned with you in the talk. Uh, uh, yesterday evening there are uh, different ways of the experience of happiness and also from the inquiry yesterday evening and uh, once again the reminder these teachings are not and never were uh, a priority to be only in the here and now this isn't uh, wisdom teaching those kind of views it's dogma it's a tragic dogma. Here and now is an important aspect, surely. Our life in its, in its presence and in the immediacy of things, that means that here and now, does have a, a, a relevance. But human beings are not fixed uh, with it. And what that means with regard to the happiness, it, it is precious and it is valuable and indispensable to leave what we call the here and now. That means what I see, hear, smell, taste and touch in the immediacy, to uh, leave it. And in that we go to reflection. 
we are going to that which is not obviously here and now, not obviously here and now. And with that, that reflection can, what do we feel glad about? What do we appreciate? What's touched us? What's brought happiness uh, to uh, us? And that acknowledgement uh, uh, for that and the recognition of it sometimes it genuinely really can be quite strong uh, uh, with us. Sometimes it's in uh, humour, the odd amusing situation. Uh, <coughs> sometimes it's in the meeting uh, with another that she or he or they have really uh, uh, touched us. Sometimes it's something really spiritual and, and, and sacred and mystical and experiential and it's really touched us. And we can then turn our attention away from the here and now. We can look at uh, and reflect on that and sometimes the heart life, the feeling life, it responds to it. It responds to this, this happiness <coughs> and that response can be quite strong. When it's strong, it, it is then actually also felt in the body. Uh, there. So one is through reflection. Sometimes while we are um, meditating and being mindful through the, the day, Quite spontaneously, um, nothing's actually spontaneous, but it's a nice word. Sometimes an emergence arises about a, a lovely idea, a vision, a creativity, something that I can do, something I can make happen in the future. It may be artistic, it may be uh, social engagement, it may, may, may be, I just had an email from uh, a person uh, uh, this, this morning. She's in a centre and has been for some months in uh, Germany. Uh, there. She's already spent a year or 18 months in practice in, uh, in uh, Burma. She's settled into this uh, uh, centre uh, in, in Germany and now she's got the idea you know, of thinking about finding uh, a hut somewhere perhaps in uh, Thailand, somewhere really remote and solitary there and could I recommend and point her in the right direction. Not easy for a woman to find uh, such a place of uh, solitude uh, there. And so sometimes an idea comes and, and there's a, uh, an energy that comes through the body and this I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, experiencing happiness. So it can come from the immediacy of, the, sorry, come for us with regard to the future. If that which touches you, which you do actually apply, it goes from, wow, I could do that. I can make that happen. I could go there. I could find this. I could explore that. I could develop this. I could contribute that. Whatever. If it happens, that means that there is authority in you. It's a statement of authority. The word authority, author, authentic, has the same root meaning from a 13th century French word, and its root meaning is to make something happen. Authentic, authority, author. 
one creates something, one makes it happen. And it's the making of something happen which is your authority. And if it, if it doesn't happen, no authority. It's just one, in a, one of another bundle of the ideas that pop out of the meditator's mind and just join the dust in the monastery. <laughs> so we want to find out and see what's... And sometimes that movement from within, the idea, this one, the imagination, the creative force, the wish to make something happen, it really, sometimes with a rush, it comes through the being and you feel the experience of it, the excitement of it, the thrill of it, the potential of it uh, there. This is called pity, P-I-T-I, not the English P-I-T-Y, please, no relationship, I promise you. The P-I-T-I, it means, pity means rapture, the thrill, a strong happiness, a feeling of it through the body. And for all the talk in the Buddhist world of dukkha, 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 which make anyone feel depressed, that one has to bear in mind and remember there is as much reference in these teachings to sukha, which is happiness, as there is to dukkha. Just sometimes the, the, the tradition is miserable. But don't confuse the tradition with the teachings of the Buddha. With the dukkha sukha, yes, and the root meaning there is an important one. Dukkha, do is unsatisfactory, literally unsatisfactory. And ka, K-H-A, is actually the wheel, in this case the wheel of the chariot. There. So it's, it's a metaphorical compound, uh, two-syllable compound. And the dukkha is when the wheel of the chariot is not steady, it, if the wheel is too tight to the, to the spoke, whatever, to the, um, I forget the name, if the wheel is too tight, the wheel won't roll easily. If the wheel is too loose, it also won't flow and roll uh, e easily. Uh, easily. Uh, there. This is dukkha. Sometimes we have to look at our life. Is our life too tight or too loose? What is the middle way uh, here? And sukha is when the, the, the wheel the sukha, is in balance, it is rolling and flowing naturally and easily and fluidly because it's neither too tight nor too loose. There, and we're trying to find that sukha. Some of that expression of that sukha, as I just mentioned, is really is felt through the body uh, there. And to really acknowledge it, also it can come even in the present moment, even on a retreat, surprise, surprise. Uh, some event may occur here, there, which touches you, which brings the happiness uh, uh, out of you. And sometimes on uh, 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 the retreats, especially this fellow, might say something or express some uh, uh, humour and it's amazing, sometimes people actually laugh. And the laughter 
is the happiness moving through the body uh, uh, there. And sometimes that is really is felt quite, quite uh, uh, strongly uh, there. All of this, I'm experiencing the body while breathing in and out, experiencing happiness felt in the body. One of the important things about happiness is the Buddha has a great one-line statement touched a little bit from the inquiry last night. He says, those people who are happy will have plenty of friends. Those people in life who are angry will have few friends. It's not only a personal benefit with happiness, but it's also a social benefit. Worth remembering. With relationship to the uh, second um, part of this, uh, uh, just to recap for one moment if I may, in the present moment we have access to the five senses. These are the ways that we know what's, doorways that we know what's going on around. And therefore the here and now for us, the being in the moment for us with its value, is kind of confirmed through what we see, hear, smell, taste and touch. It's rather a small world actually, what we see here. But there is enough in this small immediacy that you and I are engaged in to provide us with the opportunity to experience happiness. That happiness may uh, uh, come through your giving some, or directing some mindfulness to whatever uh, it might be. People, animals, birds, dogs, creatures, the environment, um, some uh, spontaneous uh, arising about in a general way of life, that formless happiness that I spoke about yesterday evening, the love of aloneness, uh, the love of uh, silence, the love of community, and much, much uh, more, the love of nature. And that can bring the happiness out of the being. So we are open as human beings to happiness which comes from the past, happiness which comes out of the present, and happiness with the potential for the future. All a contribution, to make a real contribution, with the understanding no clinging. And you will know you are clinging and holding on to the happiness because, very simple, you want to repeat it. You want to have it all over again. And there are a few people who have had very profound, deep, wonderful, spiritual, mystical experiences in the past have, as the Buddha commented on these, one uses the words, can squeeze the honey out. In other words, sometimes the memory of a very valuable experience, it might arise and a little bit with the experience is because there are more insights to emerge out of that experience. Remember these teachings are not about just the experience, it's about the revelations that come out of the experience. The insights that come. Experiences will come and go. There are some people who have had really important experiences, have used the big words, God, truth, 
enlightenment, liberation, <coughs> cosmic consciousness, my true self, you know, boring. And all these words that come, and the holding and the clinging, and trying to get back to that experience has become a real problem. Not very often, from time to time, I've said to the person, it's a great pity you ever had this experience because you used it for the self to build up to build itself up on and the outcome of this is you're left clinging so we need respect for the past, yes have the capacity to look back at our past experience, yes you have the capacity to find some insights I find and perhaps you do too but some experience which happened, in this case to myself, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 uh, years ago, or whatever uh, it, it may be. Sometimes something out of that old experience, I remember it, I felt happy to have had that experience there, and something comes out of it, a fresh insight, a new understanding, oh gosh, I hadn't seen that before. Sometimes you've read a book, you've read a poem, or whatever it might, might be, and we read it again a, a week later, a year later, five years later, and I found that, my gosh, how is it that I didn't see that incredible insight, that incredible theme, that, 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 that the depth of what was being written at that time, have changed. That's why there's a different kind of receptivity which has occurred. So past, present and future matter equally for us for happiness. In the latter part here, very lovely uh, uh, there, then it comes to joy. And joy is a more sublime, quieter happiness. Not felt through the body, it's a definite feeling, it's subtle, and sometimes in our experience we just, there's a quiet joy in us. The joy may be related to spiritual sensitivities, in all sorts of ways. Sometimes it's the joy that shows itself as appreciation, as a sense of blessing, of the quiet wonder of life, of just the opportunity just to be in the quietitude with Sangha. So the quiet reflections and joys uh, that take place, it's more subtle than the description the Buddha gives of happiness which is physically felt. That's the difference between the two. This finally, in this tetrad which we're exploring, in the latter two aspects uh, of this, is one in which we allow ourselves just to be a little bit more conscious of what's called samkaras. And the word sam, this Pali word samkara, um, uh, means um, coming together, sam. So you have samadhi and samkara and uh, samatha and samma, etc., the word sam. That which is coming together, 
And kara, like karma here, is an activity. So where there is an activity which is forming together, coming together, this is a samkara. Speech is a samkara. The body is a samkara. It's formed together, it's come together. Uh, we are interested with, with the expiration of happiness and joy and then even more, more subtle uh, once again is just experiencing what's coming together for us in this moment. So we're meditating, we're being mindful and we're just wishing to be clear what's forming together. Sometimes what's forming together is a stream of thoughts. Sometimes what's forming together is some boredom or agitation or irritation. Sometimes what's uh, uh, forming together is a, a precious and beautiful idea. Sometimes what's forming uh, together is a genuine sense of calm and inner peace and that's what's come together. All of those are samkaras, that which is formed, moved, and has come together. And we wish with those samkaras, once again, the reminder that's given in the discourse to see if we can find calmness, to let that calmness help contribute to dissolving the formations which are a bit difficult and problematic, because it needs a pressure, it needs a stress, it needs an identification to believe in them. So I just, I just bring in a bit more calmness, it will start to weaken the difficult um, formations. And if there are sweet formations and precious and we're enjoy, enjoying them there, still that calmness can also go very, very deep. With the meditations, and with the day finally, with the meditations uh, uh, here, when you're meditating, sitting, walking, uh, standing, uh, and uh, rec uh, uh, reclining, interest generates the receptivity. The interest in happiness, the interest in joy, the interest in what's forming together, the interest in calming and bringing more depth to what's forming together. Taking a real interest in these things really, really is uh, supportive uh, uh, for all of us. With the day, just going now from the more subtle to the bigger picture, to there, it's worthwhile using the meditation practices both indoors and outdoors and in some way or other to see if they and the day if it's a reflection of your life remember it's the mind as the Buddha commented no matter where you go in this world your mind is going with you <laughs> so the mind in its movement so what I have in mind what I have in mind here on the, the larger. How is our relationship, this is taking the day here, of the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, and the last part of the day? How is our mind, and body of course, 
when we wake up and through this period of the morning? How is our mind and body during the middle of the day and into the uh, afternoon? How is our mind from the afternoon through the evening into the night? For some people, but not all, we might say, oh gosh, come the end of the day, I'm absolutely shattered, I'm, exor- I'm exhausted, I've barely got the strength to walk from the meditation hall to my room, I feel like going on all fours, or whatever it might be. And then there are others who will say, oh, wait, uh, waking up, and uh, hear this person walking around, ringing the, ringing the bell, and, God, God am, I, am I in a prison, forced to get up, etc. You know? And then, there, then there's the other middle period of the day, and then all the agitations about, am I eating too much, am I eating too little, etc., whatever it might be about. You know? How much sleep do I get, and if I go to sleep after lunch, Shall I get up before tomorrow morning? <laughs> whatever, whatever it might be about there. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we see, oh, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern. You know, it's like sometimes people say to me, oh, Christopher, I am a morning person. <laughs> so the rest of the day you're not a person? You're dead, what are you? Etc. Et <laughs> they might be. So, we want to look at the totality of the day. How is our relationship with energy, clarity, interest, creativity, presence, whatever, in the middle, beginning, middle, and end of the day, the Buddha would use this at the three periods of the day, the beginning, the middle and the end of the day. Can we give a little extra care and attention if we recognise one part of the day tends to be a bit more difficult than the other? At the subtle level, that's the bigger picture, the day. At the subtle level, how's the beginning, middle and end of a walking period for you. Some people do, still don't know what a walking period is. They don't have a beginning, <laughs> middle, and end. Eh? Out, out of here, and they dive onto their hard mattress. <laughs> so sometimes you say, "Okay, is it daydreaming? Is it avo- is it avoidance? You know." Is it I've got some super glue on my super glue on my pants and I find myself stuck on that red chair over there and just can't bear getting off it. So we look to the subtle sitting with beginning of the sitting, the middle of the sitting, end period. The beginning of a walking, the middle of the end. Standing meditation, the beginning, middle and end. Reclining, beginning, middle and end. Beginning, middle and end of the day fairly obvious reason, it's your life. If you want to live, you have to take more interest in the fullness of the day, because that's all we've got. There ain't nothing else, this is it. And sometimes a little care and application can get this rhythm. And in that rhythm, the wheel is starting to 
roll with the movement of life. The Buddha's first words came. He set the Dharma wheel rolling. That's what, that's what it is, to set the, roll, the wheel rolling that we can move freely, easily, effortlessly with the rhythm of life. Because we know what that is. We've worked on that through the days. We've explored it. And that freedom of the movement of life and it's genuinely precious. So do give plenty of uh, exploration to the bigger picture, beginning, middle and end of the day in this case, to the more subtle, in relationship to the good postures there. Okay. Let's have a, a quiet minute or two, shall we? Mm-hmm.